Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control. Hello, my name is Dave Hanready, and there will be no popcorn. It's Halloween in the studio. It's the ninth episode of the No Encore's Movies and Music Offshoot. We all have cans, which is pretty good. Open your cans, please. Thank you. Start. There you go. There we go. Start the cans, please. I should say, in tribute to Richard O'Brien and the Crystal Maze. But we're not here to talk about the Crystal Maze, are we, Dave Higgins? No, we're not. We are here to talk about a movie... I'd never seen before last week, uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It blows my mind that you've never seen this film. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, that voice, of course, is the returning Norma Howard. Hello. Hey. hey. Back after they Sing Street. They left me back on. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. Yeah, let's just start with you not seeing this film for uh, 30 plus years. Yeah, okay. So when, you know, you, you have a story to tell about seeing this movie, but when when would I have seen it? I, I grew up um, living quite near to the classic cinema, which... Uh, it ran Rocky Horror Picture Show every Friday night for like 21 years until it closed down. The owner was like 78 and his doctor was like, you can't work anymore. <laughs> um, so they had to close the cinema. And then like that was the end of, of, of the classic. And like, you know, I think it was the last oh, the thing. The cinema they... was called the classic. I was yeah. Like, yeah. Classic? <laughs> Your classic cinema. <laughs> Your no, classic no, it was, it was called the classic. Irish it was in, uh, in Harold's Cross. Um, I think it was called the Kenilworth before that. 
So I kind of always had it in my head that I would go and see it there one day and it seemed like a rite of passage. But like when the classic closed, I was like 16 or 17. So I always kind of thought it was like a midnight, you know, on a Friday. I was still at an age where I don't think I was really able to go out that late. Certainly to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. There is like an age gap for it where I feel like when I saw it, I was like 15, 16 and it was like mind blowing. And then the next sort of leap to when you would watch it is like college. Yeah. So I never had the college thing. Yeah. I never had anyone who, 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 who brought me in, you know. I'm pretty sure I was about eight years of age, which is really inappropriate. <laughs> like, for the whole thing. Yeah. Not even just like, because I mean. Someone sit you down and go, was, you're It was watch a video. We, we, we had it on video in the gaff and I saw it one day and I didn't know what I was seeing and it, I was very scared by a lot of things it, in it. It's not like I wasn't cognizant of it, like, but I think all I really knew about it was like the midnight screenings were pretty wild. Uh, Time Warp, uh, Tim Curry in like Fishnet Stockings and a corset and like Susan Sarandon was in there as well. And like that was up until pretty much last week was pretty much as much as I knew. Okay, that's that's a good way to, to our, our gateway drug into this movie, and we'll talk about it, but let's do our first quick preamble roundup of things we've seen since the last time we convened. Yes, I went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again for the third time. I've already talked about it on Encore. I can't say anything new about this film that I haven't already said and bored a listener with it. Give it all the awards. Film of the year. It's not the film of the year. It's do, great. I, I, I haven't listened to No Encore because it's only been out, like, a little while, but... um. How, how was there anything new in the third watch? I don't know if you said that. Already. I just enjoyed it more. I, I just I once again enjoyed uh, the small little things, just little acting ticks and stuff, just kind of like little appreciative stuff. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's great. Okay, flawless. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not really watching it again, but I won't be going back to it this year. All right. Well, you're lost, Dave. What have you been watching? I I think the last time I I, I spoke of my my spooky season, uh, my attempt to watch 31 horror films in October. Uh, it's gone terribly. Well, you ran a marathon. I yeah. So Congratulations, that, that, by the way. Thank you. That kind of got in the way a little bit. Um, I a, a spooky film a night, or you can do you just have to I hit could, thirty-one? I, so I could hit thirty-one. Go. So if I hit like a five bill, in a day. Or, yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. okay. <laughs> one, one a day is. I'm gonna have to blitz this. Is, is not great. Yeah. <laughs> so I've managed it the last two years, and then this year I was doing well. I think up and before I went to Munich, I'd watched one at least one a day. Maybe had a couple banked up, but then, um. When I went away, I forgot that I got rid of Netflix, and I also had very poor Wi-Fi in lots of the places it's I stayed. It's a real sob story right here. So I had <laughs> a couple downloaded. So I, I watched this movie called Hotel Cool Guardy, and I saw something about it, and it was just like, oh, this this terrifying uh, two two backpackers go and like work in a bar in like the Australian outback, and I was like, okay, this kind of sounds like a little Wolf Creek and like Wake and Fright. So I started watching it. And I was like, okay, this is this is interesting. It's like it's very like photorealistic, like very verite in how it looks. And as like time went on, I was like, okay, they're really slow building here. And then like a character came in, and I was like, okay, this guy, he's definitely going to be the murderer. And then like he was kind of a bit sketchy, and then it's like, okay, no, nothing's really happening here. <laughs> I then realized I was watching a documentary about backpackers in Australia. <laughs> what? Yeah. So it- I'm sorry, that was the punch. <laughs> Well, so at what it, point it, did it, it say spooky or horror? It was it, like it, what? It, I was like, I was looking for like new things to watch, new new horror films to watch that I hadn't seen before, and like. But was it for, like, in a horror category? Like what? It, how it, did you? It, it popped up 
on a list somewhere on some website. I need to go back and find where it was because I had it saved <laughs> that, a while. Like, it was a documentary, but there was still a sketchy character. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it was kind of set in like, if, have either of you seen Wake and Fright? Where um, it's like a guy trying to get home from, he's working in like a, a school in the Australian Outback and he's trying to get back to Sydney for Christmas. And he gets a train and he has like a stopover a night in this town called the Yabba. And it's like a mining town. And it's just like full of drunken dudes, degenerates. And he kind of just gets sucked into this really like terrifying. It's not a horror film, but it's like the most toxic of toxic <laughs> men in the world. And he kind of just gets absorbed by it. Spooky. And I was like, OK, this kind of is what it's going to be. And then it absolutely was not. I thought it was going to be porn. I really thought it was going to be porn. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did. And maybe so at least it wasn't that, you know? I could, maybe I can and ask... I kept watching it because I'm committed to this. <laughs> I can, can I ask a question of ethics? I, I um. sent Dave a text. I was on a train. I was going from Marseille to Nice. And I had the remake of Suspiria downloaded. Yeah. And I was sitting beside a, a, a lovely old French lady. So I texted Dave and I was like, what's the, what's the etiquette here? Can I, can I watch Suspiria? He said no. Yeah. Absolutely watch I, My argument would be... It's art. The train, it is art. Art. The, the train, <laughs> train, the train no also <laughs> stopped in Cannes. Oh, okay, is the woman worried that like she might be... I like, might have been sitting beside Claire Denis yeah. for all I knew. Fair enough. Okay. Anyway, look, it's getting in hand Could have been Tilda Swinton in a costume and she would have been... But I did, I did actually watch some films. <laughs> Are you going to watch a horror film tonight? Um, I'm going to scream as I, I noted off mic. I might watch the remake of Suspiria tonight. Okay. I watched the original uh, there the other night. What did you think upon the rewatch? Of the original? Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love it. It's just like absolutely incredible. I appreciate it a lot more now I'm older. I remember seeing it when I was like a teenager and just being like, what is going on? Yeah. It's like a real assault on the senses when you first see it and like color and the Goblin soundtrack is like Yeah, this is back in my back in my like paying twenty five quid for a DVD days and being like, Oh, I read about Suspiria in a magazine and must be great and then getting it and being like, This is the best film I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I haven't gone back to it for a while. I enjoyed the remake, not as much as Friend of the Show, Dahi Johnny, but like, you know, it's it's good. We'll probably talk about it properly again. I think that's more to do with Tom York than it is to do with yeah. the <laughs> Yeah, he was, he was spellbound by the soundtrack. Uh, okay, so... I watched a remake last night. Right. That I had not watched. The Psycho remake? With Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Ugh. I was just curious about it. So like, I, I had What? Yeah, so I, I was I was trying to watch Suspiria the other night and I couldn't find it anywhere and then it was on movie so I did like a, a trial on movie and they had this like remake versus original and they had Psycho and the Gus Van Sant Psycho and I'd watched the original Psycho or rewatched it only a couple of months ago so I was like out of morbid curiosity how bad is this? And like the, the cast is absolutely insane in it like Julianne Moore like Robert Foster's in it just like right at the end uh, Flea shows up for a minute William H. Macy um, it looks good but that's all it's got like it's like Christopher Doyle's like Wong Kar Wai's cinematographer so like it's really like the fact that they put it in colour like they're taking advantage of it but aside from that it's just like I remember it being notoriously one star reviewed across the board back in the magazine days again you know yeah I mean it's it's shot for shot yeah and the only thing that, I, I recall that they added was Vince Vaughn masturbating. That is it. Like, I, ju- I have such a major issue with films recently where it's like, why would you choose that film to remake? Like, who went, you know what needs a good doing over? Psycho. Like, <laughs> let's get sounds, on apparently. <laughs> And um, it's just like, because I can see why Suspiria, why there's like, 
like you can adapt it in certain ways and add elements to it because um, which he did yeah yeah, yeah which he did massively and it's, massively different yeah and, like, and it's like hugely fleshed out in certain parts and like it's quite stylized and like it's like an hour longer yeah like. yeah, yeah, yeah it's quite quite long whereas like Psycho I'm just like but why and who green lit it sure like Michael uh, Haneke is that how it's pronounced he remade Funny Games his own mm. film Shot yeah. for Shot Oh really? Yeah, shot for shot. I, I he's just like, I'll do it better. This <laughs> I'll do the Hollywood version, get a paycheck for this. I get why he did that because, like, if you've seen Funny Games, like, I find it incredibly frustrating because it's just like him belaboring a point for you know it's 100 a lecture, minutes. Yeah. So the fact that he went and redid it again isn't surprising at all. Yeah, I think um, it's decent. Uh, sorry, you mentioned Robert Forster, by the way, the late, great Robert Forster. He's, he's also in El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, which yeah. you've written down on this list for some reason. I, I was curious, so I watched it. You were um, the only one. I was the only, <laughs> only one, yeah. It kind of, it seemed like it pretty much the one of the most unnecessary things I've ever watched. Um, it adds nothing to the show. It is incredibly uh, flat. Like, it has the like, same ending. That we came from. The exact same ending. Well yeah, done, lads. Essentially. <laughs> like, and You moved that piece right back where it was. Like, I think Breaking Bad as a show is vastly overrated. I think Better Call Saul is better. But, you know, it's an enjoyable thrill ride of a show. And it, like, it looked amazing. This just, like, is, like, brown sludge on, on camera. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, it's, it's trying to anchor an entire movie around the worst part of Breaking Bad. Jesse. Jesse. Yeah, it's fine. I wrote a review of it for Joe. I was surprised that the commentaries were half on my side and half like, fuck you! And I was like, okay, fine. Who could be that committed to El Camino? And just, I, like, who but, could... But this is the thing, though, isn't it? People want more of the same. They're like, I want my Coldplay album to be like the last Coldplay album, but with new songs. I want this to be more, more Breaking Bad. Give it to me, you know. Netflix. I'm sitting on the couch, hook it to my veins, yada yada. It's fine. It just doesn't need to be. Um, also, I don't know about fine. I'm certain it doesn't need to be. Is a film that again uh, I've mentioned the name already. I think Dolly's a fan of this movie, Under the Silver Lake. I watched it. Why don't you like it? It's not that I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it, but it's not that I, I don't hate it. I just thought it was completely pointless and meandering and a very it's clear very, example. very, very indulgent. And it's like, a very clear example of this is his passion project. He had the script lying around. He made it follows. This is David Robert Mitchell, the director and the writer. He made it follows, a horror film that I adore, and then got a bit of clout. And they were like, what do you want to make next? And then the weird thing is that A24, the fucking, you know, hipster film company yeah, du jour, bought it. And then delayed it about six times and then put it out on, like, video on demand. So they must have been like, yeah, it's, it's a dud, isn't it? I think it it ran in the lighthouse for, I'd say, a week. Really? Okay. And, like, there was a bit of interest, but I just feel like people kind of thought it would have a similar vibe to It Follows and it, like, it doesn't. It's more just about, like, a weird sort of slightly creepy commentary on Hollywood and what he thinks about it and, mm. like... It's got so many weird, weird cultish bits that are, you're like... It never quite comes together. Like, it's a shaggy dog story, Andrew Garfield, uh, you know, doing a kind of a conspiracy theory stoner detective type thing in the vein of, like, an inherent vice, or, you know, you could even say once upon a time Hollywood to a degree in terms of, like, you know, yeah. the languidness of it all. Um, it's definitely yeah. one of those films, if you just want to have a chill night and you've got, like, a bottle of wine 
Um, I was going to say a bag of cookies. Oh, wow. Big night in. Wholesome. I go all out. And a fat um, joint. Like, this you, is a stoner <laughs> movie. Let's be honest. <laughs> if you're getting lit, um, if you smoke a joint and watch this film, that would make probably make perfect yeah. sense. It's, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a couch film where you can just be like. Did you think it was wildly sexist or is that the point? I think a lot of that is the point and kind of the commentary. And I find that that's one of the most difficult things to do when you're just trying to be like, this isn't how I feel. This is like the character, the 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 world, what's active out there. And this is how women are treated. And these are things that happen. Um, yeah, I didn't think but it was, it's a perfectly I, I, it's a perfectly fine film. I didn't think it was uh, while the sexes. I can understand the argument against though. I thought it was more of a yeah. It's it just goes off on all these like different tangents and never quite comes together. And the resolution for me isn't strong enough for what it could be. And I just I don't know. I think you know he's committed to it, but I just I hated Andrew Garfield in this. And I, was just I like, also feel like you would appreciate the film more if you've been to California. Or okay, if you've like you've been to where it's set because there was stuff where like they talk about like up in the hills and like like homelessness um, in Los Angeles and that's a big problem I was like I wasn't aware I like, actually I'd have not seen The Fanatic then which goes to <laughs> great pains I, know, to, uh, I listened you know to that, that and I was like I listened Hollywood. to all of your of the podcast about that and I was just like this is like why even make the film? Why even make the episode that we did? I mean, like, I was just like, like, like I, I'm, it like, did your nothing choice, but make mate. me go fuck Fred. <laughs> it was my choice. Norma, what have you been watching? Um, so actually, when I was in Galway, I went to see Dark Lies the Island, mm. which is an adaptation of. Um, so there's a book by Kevin Barry, who's an Irish writer, called Dark Lies the Island, but it's a number of short stories. And uh, so the film is like takes characters from different short stories and not just from that particular book. Um, from a couple of his books and sort of mushes it all together to make a film about this particular town and things that happen in the town and this lake that it's situated next to. And it was no good at all. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. It's just like, I absolutely adore that book. It's one of my all-time favorite books. And like, I just don't think they picked the most interesting characters and like, it felt like if it was like an eight-part TV series or something, it might have made more sense. It was just as a film, it never really got off the ground. And a lot of Kevin Barry's work is like, he really captures really well this sort of like Irish sort of darkness and loneliness and sort of like a sense of things unraveling. And it just didn't film feel like the film really got there. Hmm. And that like, maybe with a different director or something it could have like the project could have been slightly different we watched a film together recently (gasps) we did and we had a great time (laughs) it was great yeah (laughs) we watched Arrival oh the film that nearly made Dave Higgins cry but didn't but didn't because he's a big tough man a big tough man there was literally the point Max Richter came for me (laughs) 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 it's like like the cheat code it's like you can't use that music it's not fair the um, (laughs) we were all like sitting down and at the end when she hugs him and it's like what what's the line where it's like I it feels so how, good? I, I forgot, forgot how, how good, good it you felt feel. to be held by you. Yeah, and then we were all just like, <laughs> oh, I was gone. Yeah, I was gone. Like I saw it in cinema and draw that I cried, and I saw it this time like with Dahi, Norma, and Brendan County in the same room, and I was like, I don't care. And I was just like, <laughs> we're all just I was like, very all like, friends here. I was very subtly like wiping my glasses at the end of it, being like, what do you think, guys? Yeah, like literally <laughs> eating pizza, being like, I'm <laughs> it's a fucking amazing film. Like it really it, is. It's incredible, and it's still annoying to this day that did it win any Oscars? She wasn't even nominated, like, which I find insane. I think Meryl Streep was nominated for like a pantomime performance in like whatever 
film that was into Florence Foster the, Jenkins into, or something? No, I thought you meant Into the Woods. <laughs> <laughs> Where that is. And I'm like, I'm not. I, I've, I, Amy Adams was an, act, an actor that I resisted against for a long time. I just didn't quite like her for some reason. And then in this film, it's just like, well, this is like one of the greatest What, you didn't like Enchanted? I didn't like Cruel Intentions 2, <laughs> Manchester Prep, which is the first thing I ever She's saw She's also, her recently Brendan Canty and I rewatched Talladega Nights. Oh, wow. And she's in it. She's I totally, fantastic in it. I totally forgot, though. And we were just sitting along and then we were like, is that Amy Adams? She is great in Enchanted, to be fair, which is kind of her breakthrough thing. Yeah. Uh, no, she's I, a great I, actor. She is, yeah. And like it took me a while to kind of cop on to that, I suppose. Mm. But I just think Arrival is... She's just a, like... A I think Arrival is like... It's, she's so subtle, like... Heartbreaking. It's just it's in like an ideal acting performance. Yeah, and that is so difficult to say that about. There's a weird thing going on as well, where like amazing. the guy who wrote the screenplay and it cha- it's adapted from a short story, which they made a lot of changes to. Um, the guy who wrote the screenplay also wrote like a few Final Destination movies and some other crap horrors and comedies. I, th- I think he wrote. No, no, I'm thinking of the Chernobyl guy. But it's like the Chernobyl guy who wrote, who wrote like, the Hangover know, movies and Scary Movie three and four, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then wrote Chernobyl. So it's like these guys just like take, they've got it in them. They take, pay, yeah, <laughs> they, 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 they take paying jobs, and they're like, hopefully someday I get to make this thing. And yeah, yeah I think Arrival was amazing. It, it could also be a case that like, um, I think I was because you you basically were like flabbergasted when you found out who this guy was I can't think of his name who, who writer, wrote it Eric Hessier I'll tell you who wrote it <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what his name was <laughs> yeah like I'm not the biggest uh, Denis Villeneuve fan but like he does elevate material and like he's a very good tastemaker in terms of like all the people that he works with whether it be like working with Roger Deakins or like um, Johan Johansson and he like he casts well so I do think he has the ability to to elevate material. So, and there might have been some like work done on that script, you know. After but you didn't cry. Didn't cry. No, no. Why I did not. not? <coughs> I've never what, never cried at a like? movie. <laughs> I I mankind pigs. I I felt <laughs> I felt a bit of a lump at the start. I was just like, oh god, because and it was when solely like, because we're of giving like giving you the um, weapon. It's language. It's solely because years. of the nature of daylight that like. It's an that amazing just, piece of it's music. Fantastic. We've told the story several times. You're, are you aware of this? Where Higgs went to see it in the lighthouse, by the way, I believe. Mm. And the person sitting next to him was a very teary Ellen Page. Oh, was this around the time she was filming The Cured? So yeah. she would have been about in Dublin. And you went to see Arrival with her? Not with her. Not with her. <laughs> but like, her. She was there. You went with his girlfriend. Ellen Page <laughs> was bawling and you couldn't even shed one singular tear. I know. Next to him because like, she asked him to move Ice his jacket. <gasps> and he was like, yeah, no problem. And then your girlfriend was like, oh, do you know who that is? You're like, no, it's not, is it? And then it was. And then Ellen Page is crying. A Hollywood ingenue is bawling beside you. But nope. Just turned to her and said, chin Cop up, them. love. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. It could have been you. <laughs> okay, listen. Um, lastly, before we get to this movie, uh, you've written down, does Watchmen count as in the current watching? Yeah, why not? Um, HBO's Watchmen. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I, I, what I found very... Two episodes, by the way interesting about it is and like i won't go into like massive spoilers is that like they went to great pains in the second episode to take some shots at Zack snyder and like the way he shoots his movies they did yeah they kind of have like a, a tv show within the tv show and the way it's shot is pure like slow motion like unnecessarily violent speed for, ramp yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah no it's 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 interesting so far um I'm glad to see Justice for uh, Giant Squid. You know, we got that back. Yeah, yeah. Um, Score is great, obviously. Reznor and Ross at it again. I have heard, and I and this is only just from people posting on social media, that they've loved it. 
People are loving it, yeah. 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 Some critics uh, have been saying, it's the best uh, comic adaptation show of all time after seeing one episode. And I'm like, can we just wait until all nine are in, please? I enjoyed episode two more than episode one. I will say this, if you can put Regina King as lead in your project, do it. And... Jeremy Irons is having an absolute ball. Of course he is. He, he, like, sorry, Jeremy Irons playing an eccentric man who lives in a castle. Yeah, that's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it pink? It's, I don't. It's not pink. No, but he's, he wears a lot of purple, so it's and fine. And we li- literally introduced him while he was having his inner thigh scrubbed, fully <laughs> naked. <laughs> was it him who did the interview about like, uh, like if we legalize same-sex marriage, like fathers will marry their sons? Like, all this kind of no, weird. I, I think feel like Jeremy Irons is cool. I think he did. did I think he did. Yeah. I still. You know, else is like, a little bit questionable. Tim Curry, <laughs> Richard, Richard O'Brien. O'Brien. Yeah, let's. I get dug to... up some things and all. Oh. I know. Yeah, I, I, I've done my own research, but we'll okay. We'll we'll pivot now to the episode, which is about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Let's have a blast of what that sounds like. Gave him the rooms and passing them use lots of skills, but when worlds collide, said George Pal to his bride, I'm gonna give you some terrible thrills. Like. So that was Science Fiction Double Feature, which is the opening song of the movie and the closing song of the movie, as sung by Richard O'Brien. There's a pair of lips on the screen, painted red, and they belong to Patricia Quinn, who plays his counterpart Magenta in this movie. He plays Riff Raff. They are the servants of a mad scientist by the name of Dr. Frankenfurter, who our heroes Brad and Janet will stumble upon in the dead of night, and then all kinds of weird things happen. But basically, the controversy about that kind of opening song is that in the stage play version of this, because it was a stage play, that was Patricia Quinn's song, and then they said they were making a movie. She said she wanted to do the movie because she only wanted to sing that song. That was her song. They took it away from her, but they gave her like the visual of it. It's her lips. Yeah. yeah, but it's weird because like I saw an interview with her quite recently, and she like again she was like that was my song, and they took it from me, and I'm still mad about it. <laughs> it's like it it works though because you know this is a movie that plays with gender identity for the whole thing. So the fact that you have her lips, uh, Richard O'Brien singing, is kind of like in terms of like a mission statement, which essentially it is. Yeah. Like it, I think it works a lot better. Richard O'Brien I mean, just has such a weird voice. He does. Like yeah. he's just exceptional at putting on those characters. And he wrote things. this, which shouldn't go unnoticed. So I guess quick background: this film is from 1975. It is an adaptation of a stage play that ran, which he wrote. And basically, I think he just he, he apparently wrote it one winter when he was bored or something, and like had a friend who put it on the local theater, and then it, it went to a bigger theater, and then a bigger theater, and then a bigger theater, and then became a cult hit. And then they get the movie. Jim Sharman is the director. Uh, Richard O'Brien penned the whole thing, created the characters, created the songs. Talented man, years before the Crystal Maze. We'll get into his problematic nature at some point, or at least some of the things he said, rather. He also plays Riff Raff. Yes, he plays Riff Raff, and plays him very fucking well. Um, Okay, well, that's one thing, real quick, um, to draw a line through here right now. I think the casting top to bottom is pretty much perfect. I wouldn't imagine anybody else playing anybody else, unless anyone else at this table has other suggestions. But uh, how did this become the monster that it is today, Higgs? How did it become the monster? Um... Basically, it was yeah released in 1975 by Fox. Uh, immediately tanked. It wasn't well received. Um, it was critically panned. I think Ebert went in on it pretty hard. Funny fair. Kind of across the board, everyone was like, this is a bad movie, even though I think it knowingly acknowledges its badness. Well, it's meant to be like a tribute to B-movies. Yeah, exactly. Sci-fi and... Um, 
But it was around this time that you would get some midnight screenings um, kind of on weekends, uh, like John Waters, like Pink Flamingos or Reefer Madness started to become a thing and uh, cinemas were putting them on. So um, it was put on in a few theaters and it actually started to do quite well. And then it kind of had this weird phenomenon that's kind of continued to this day where um, people would go and see it every week, but it would become a kind of its own evolving piece of art where um, it wasn't so much that Richard O'Brien was the creator anymore. It was that the people who were going to see it were going, they were creating a show within a show. It kind of started with um, people just like responding back or like saying lines from the movies, kind of preempting everybody knows them or singing along. Um, And then it kind of evolved into um, basically people shouting at the screen, (laughs) shouting their own lines that became infamous. I think like the, the original one, what is said is that in the opening scene where they're in the in the rain and Janet's like holding a newspaper overhead and someone's like buy an umbrella you cheap bitch and like that was like the genesis the next line is Riff Raff goes he opens it and goes you're wet and then you're supposed to call back she's always wet (laughs) Jesus yeah Yeah, isn't there like like somebody mentions toast so people throw toast at the screen yeah you throw spoons I think oh and and, yeah and costuming obviously the costuming and yeah like props so I think it it went uh, just like verbatim repeating the what was said in the movie first and then it was kind of like people saying their own things and then people were like oh let's bring props in so like they were bringing in water guns for when it was raining and like all sorts of things. Is this is this great kind of co-opting of a thing or is it naff? It's like it got to the stage where there's now like the live casts. So if you go to a, scre- a midnight screening of Rocky Horror, there will be people who will dress up as a character, learn the lines, learn the songs and they perform it in front of the cinema screen. Like it's like that level and I've been to one and people fucking love that shit <laughs> like, like honestly I was like I I like I didn't do one of the responses and a guy was like what the fuck <laughs> like, Get out. did you yeah like I wasn't engaging on the higher level that I should have been it was like mass when you don't say like one of the proper responses when you got there did they did they brand you with a V and lipstick on your head to brand you a virgin if it was your first if time this was my first time yeah. yeah I was just dressed like Janet <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I actually did Columbia because Columbia's in like the French maid costume uh, Magenta is, I think. Magenta, sorry, yeah, sorry. yes. And then Columbia is tap dancing. Yes, Columbia is. It's very intense, but everyone is having the best time. It sounds, I would imagine, like your idea of hell on earth, David. In a way, yes. But in another way, I kind of feel like with these things, like this is like when I went to when I went to Toronto and I went to like wrestling, I was like, anticipating that it would be like very loud people in my row yeah. doing live commentary, and there were, and I was like, this is hilarious, and I was like, turning to my friend Josh and being like, this is so much fun, let's just get fucking pissed. Like, like you went to wrestling, Norman, and I assume it's quite similar. Like it's public event of spectacle, yeah, participation and kind of just like lose your fucking mind. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't go to a Rocky Horror show uh, in the lighthouse at like midnight and be like, "Grand, could I hope no one talks." You know, like <laughs> I'm expecting like, it to be completely out of control. So that's the reason I would go. But I guess if I was sitting there in like you know 1975, being like, "What the hell is this?" Like, yeah. <laughs> like outrageous. Put, put your paper under your arm. <laughs> throw my coat on, <laughs> making a big scene as I leave the cinema. Being like, like you, you're all going you to hell. I mean, when, when you yeah, when you when you buy the ticket, it's kind of understood what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. It's not like you went to see The Godfather and people started throwing oranges at the screen. Uh, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> let's. Can you imagine? Okay. I will say there was a Metallica screening. 
very click, quick like side note. Oh so yeah, it was the, a Metallica screen the, the new M two thing was it? No, it was like a live concert. Yeah, yeah. From yeah, San Francisco, and everyone got up to like dance and sort of make a mosh pit in front of the screen. And another guy, one guy bit another guy. Oh my god! Was this like last night? Like, like a fight broke out, and we were like, "What is going on?" And then some, someone who was in the screen, like this was a customer, came out and was like, "Like apparently it was just like, oh, it's Metallica for you." <laughs> it's like, I don't feel like people go to Metallica shows to bite other people. I think that's like, well, no, I mean, you you went to uh, a Metallica gig in, in France, made friends with some random people, yeah. And Any nobody, biting? No, 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 but I got kissed on the cheek. Remember? Oh yeah, by so, uh, like Rocky Horror by Benoit, <laughs> some Frenchman. Okay, so yeah, okay. Before we dive into the meat this movie uh, I've been dying to know what do you think of it coming um, to it now for the first time ever you fell asleep the first time you watched I it did. I did not oh. I was very tired okay how did you fall asleep there's a lot happening there was, when you're tired you're tired I was like drifting <laughs> in and out I didn't fall asleep for the entire thing um, but I wanted to give it another watch um, I I really enjoy it although I feel like I am missing something by not having seen it in the context that I feel like it's supposed to have been seen in like as a movie, um, I think performances in it are very good, uh, very knowing. Um, I'd say about 50% of the songs are really good and I generally quite enjoy them. Um, it looks cheap as hell, um, but again, like that's part of the charm. Um, the plot is utterly ridiculous and kind of kind of goes off a cliff at the end. But overall, as a experience, very, very good. But I, I do feel like that... As a movie, it's good, but no better than that. Oof. But as, as a kind of a, a cultural experience, yes. But well, I, 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 this might sound like a cop out, but I don't think it's meant to be a good quote unquote movie. It's meant to be a pastiche. It's meant to be a homage. It's meant to be like a ridiculous thing. It evolved from a play, and like sometimes I think with adaptations, you're going to get a very basic. I haven't seen it on the stage. Certainly not in the time. I think I'm bowled over by the fact that I haven't quite seen anything like it before or since, and obviously saw it at a very young age. And like I say, I mean, like I was hit by all these kind of strange things. Like Tim Curry terrified me, like as a child. Mm. I was like, I, I found him scarier in this, and I found him scarier than fucking in it, you know? Um, or Legend? Oh, that was also terrifying, yeah. What is it with Tim Curry in like the uh, 80s being, and uh, being an avatar of horrible, weird monsters? But yeah, and he's not like, an avatar of horrible, weird monsters in this movie, apart from when he's murdering poor Meatloaf and <laughs> with, eating him yeah. with a fucking ice axe in a scene that has haunted me my entire life. I was just like, Jesus Christ, like that came out of nowhere. So yeah, it's tonally askew and quite strange. Norma, what's your general kind of vibe with this movie um, so I first saw it when I was like I'd say 16 17 um, I had a friend who was like obsessed with it and she was like you have to watch it and she had like a DVD of it that came in in like a commemorative box that was the big lips <laughs> Um and the first time I watched it, I just thought it was amazing like I'm a big big musical fan I knew it was silly I knew it was stupid I knew that it was like it wasn't it was designed to be this parody of these like 1930s 40s science fiction films like Bright Frankenstein and stuff like this and it is cheap looking and it's like but it was just so much fun it was just like so silly and so ridiculous and so over the top and um I I do recall being in like 
a living room with a group of like gals on a, some sort of a sleepover and just be like, well, not Rocky Horror. <laughs> and like, even in college, I went to that screening of it. I've never seen the live show, though. I know people who have who said like, it is first and foremost kind of like a cultural thing. It is just like the absolute crack of getting dressed up like that and uh, going to just like a big mad night. Like a lot of people do it as well with um, a musical called Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is a similar thing where like people get up in full costume and they go see this this musical. And um, yeah, it's just good fun. Yeah. A lot of people see it as like also kind of like a sexuality, a, like awakening or like it's definitely like helped a lot of people who've like felt on the outskirts of that and uh yeah i'd imagine it's quite kind of idolized on Tim that curry on that level on that note i mean like obviously like you know one of the songs that we'll hear in a few minutes is sweet transvestite so a lot of the characters cross-dress and that kind of stuff is that still an acceptable term i don't even know um but like fucking i'm wondering and i'm not and like, at the end of this table is like a full authority on such thing but like is this film like totally inclusive and safe and great or is it in any way transphobic like is there any kind of especially like from 1975 i, I my reading on it was always that it was very inclusive very kind of you know accepting freeing kind of alternative and putting that out there in, in a very defiant way but i i've read some takes on it that are like no it's actually quite bad i'm like oh is it like well i, I guess when you're your main character who is a crossdresser from transsexual transylvania is also a psychotic murderer cannibal uh basically kind of like sexual a sexual predator a sexual yeah. predator <laughs> kind of like a galactus of wanting to indulge in every carnal thing in the world of just like traveling traveling the universe <clears throat> Yeah, but like this, but he's so goddamn charismatic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I do think they're like, it's still one of the things, which is why I say my big takeaway from it is that it's like it's big, it's fun, and it's silly. Is that like anything that you that is made as like? Because Richard O'Brien said like when he wrote it, he was just like I didn't, he didn't know what he was really writing. He was just like I just wrote a load of things and was like. I'll make this. He was like, I, d I didn't know if it made sense at the time. So it's hard when people like um, cling to things quite delicately about like uh, it needing to be like, like Tim Curry being an icon for like feeling free in your sexuality um, and things like that, that like the film probably didn't aim to do, to no, do not any of those not things. No, not at all. And was just trying to make a silly parody version of like sci-fi, like horror films back in the day. Completely, And yeah. that like, it obviously just like ballooned up way more than they had it ever thought. It became a signal and a beacon so for I certainly don't think yeah. it thought too much about whether it was going to be perceived as trans positive or transphobic. Um, Richard O'Brien's personal thoughts on it are different so, yeah so he has transitioned by the way i mean like not to get too much into this side of the conversation because again i'm just i'm just not educated enough but like he did also make some very weird comments in recent years that like trans women can't be considered women or something like that was it like he he made a particular comment in an interview where he said and this was uh specifically discussing um jermaine greer yeah that he fell along with the same opinion as jermaine greer about uh like undergoing um an operation in order to uh, feel like you're. My mind's gone blank. What word am I looking for? 
I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> it's one of those ones. I know. I was like trying to think of um, while you're transitioning. Sorry. So like that he felt like like going under operations isn't going to make you the opposite gender and then obviously received massive amounts of backlash because that isn't the case. It's a case of personally whatever someone feels makes them feel whatever gender they want to be. Yeah, absolutely. 100% go for it. So rightly so he got backlash because it was just like it was a wild comment to be making that wasn't even really for him to be making yeah. I don't think. And, and partially because and like, just like even he himself oh, okay. has tried to say that he he is a third sex and that he's 70% male, 30% female. Mm-hmm. And like, if that's what he feels that he is, I'm not going to say that that is not what you are. Yeah. So so for someone to who who certainly like feels different to whatever the, the normative of how he was raised to, you know, to to articulate that he feels different and he feels like he is something else. But then to be like, but you can't be is a very, very, very not a good look. It is, yeah. And ultimately, I mean, even like describing Richard Bryan like using kind of male gendered terms, I believe is the quote-unquote correct way of doing so, but I apologise if it isn't. Um, nonetheless, I mean, with regards to this film, like I always took the message of it as being one of kind of celebration and completely ostentatiousness to the point where you can't quite take it seriously on any kind of potentially offensive level. I mean, I, I never took that from it I think most people don't it is very beloved there was a kind of a TV movie remake recently with Laverne Cox in the Frankenfurter role yeah it was part of the where they took like a lot of different musicals and did this sort of live oh, spice thing, performance it, yeah. thing yeah. oh okay um, so I mean, uh, it, to this day the fact that it hasn't been fucking cancelled should tell you a lot people still hold this in very high regard it, it's still very it's very warm embraced thing yeah and I think any anything that it might be clumsy on doesn't come from a place of malice at all I don't no think. not at all and if you take any piece of art, um, any piece of culture from 45 years ago and then hold it up to how things are today, there's going to be things that stick out about it, but it's not necessarily that. I think it 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 has become so much of its own thing now when people feel ownership over it in their own way that you can kind of detach it from Richard O'Brien slightly in a way or from those comments because it's like you can take from those artistic things what you want to um, and people still do um, I don't know if he's been personally cancelled I don't think I so do, yeah uh, I mean like you know I was very disappointed when I when I read this because it was I one know. of the last things I read about him I'd, like I'd watched a couple of interviews on him watched him with, with Paul O'Grady about, and like he, yeah. it's like he just seemed like a lovely a lovely gentleman host the crystal maze like, yeah talking about his own sexuality and I was like oh what a cool guy yeah. I'm so on board <laughs> and, then and then he just like hit me with that I was like oh fuck yeah it was the same for me I was just like oh well, there's it one had more, to be something there's one more interview down here oh no, no. but nonetheless uh, movie wise okay so it's like a tie 100 minute which is always good uh, very basic plot structure you know a young kind of uh, immediately engaged couple who are very American very wholesome very well cast in the form of Barry Bostwick and Susan Sarandon uh, I thought very much like he's, he's your square jawed you know kind of like handsome guy she's your kind of I suppose virginal um, you know like quote unquote nice girl or whatever who like will find herself in this new kind of strange hedonistic world and we'll see what happens they stumble upon a haunted house guys I'm a fucking sucker for any film or any story that involves a haunted house I think it's the best <laughs> device ever I did Give not me- notice about you I, I didn't know about it myself until I rewatched the but song but they're when I was singing like, the song like over the Frankenstein <laughs> which is a great song because you guys, okay, you guys are, I think, slightly maybe less in on the songs than I am. I, I would agree that it's definitely front-loaded. And you do get, like, a run of, like, song, 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 song. And they're all pretty fucking strong. 
Yeah, so the thing that really like again uh, going into this, I mean, pretty this much, film is pretty much time to, warp to, was to my 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 main knowledge of it, and the fact that like that's like four songs in before you even meet uh, Dr. Frankenfurter, I was mm-hmm. just like. Oh, we're going here because I just assumed when you hear it, you're like, and then you think of it in the context of a movie you haven't seen. It's like, well, that's the big number at the end, isn't it? And it's just like, no, nope. <laughs> it is <laughs> straight not. in. It's right there. So yeah, so they get to the house. Uh, weird stuff starts to happen, and you've uh, queued it up perfectly. Let's have a listen to Tim Curry's entrance into this film, Sweet Transvestite. Don't get strung out by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover I'm not much of a man By the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania Let me show you a rhyme Maybe so that's Sweet Transvestite, a uh, phenomenal song, and it just talk about like a fucking lightning bolt, like The Rock before The Rock electrified the world of professional wrestling and the Hollywood movies. Like think about any uh, Freddie Mercury, like think about any iconic performer that you've ever seen. This for me is up there. It's an astonishing entrance and a great song that he commands unbelievably well. He looks like just like unbelievable. Uh, his his bits where he looks at the camera and raises an eyebrow and like breaks the fourth wall. It's just unbelievable. It's, it's probably worth mentioning that, like, in the original production uh, on stage was also Tim Curry. So, like, it was his role originally, which I think you can tell anyway, because he just... There was a rumour, like, not to go back and bash Richard Bryan further, but there was a rumour that Richard Bryan was supposedly, like, kind of jealous of him. But I'm like, oh, because he got all the good lines but or something. Wrote, he wrote it. Richard Bryan wrote this. Also, <laughs> like, Richard Bryan was never going to play Frankenfurter, so no, get over it. He's a perfect riffraff. I he think get, he's a little bit ornery, just, like, about a lot of elements of how... It's got away from him a little bit. Like sure. we haven't we haven't talked about it. I'm not 100 percent certain how much money he makes from you the US version of it because it was bought oh. by Lou Adler, who was like a big music producer. Did like the Mamas and Papas and uh, Carol King. If you've ever watched a Los Angeles Lakers game, he sits beside Jack Nicholson all the time. So he's that <laughs> level Hell. of kind of like old school ingrained in Hollywood. But like he, yeah, he bought the rights to it and then brought it the stage show to Broadway and then produced the movie. So. Yeah, um, Richard O'Brien's a little bit, like, particular about it, and he also doesn't seem to like a lot of the fans of the show. <laughs> okay, uh, let's br- break down Tim Curry's uh, performance in this scene. Higgs, seeing it for the first time, obviously, you know you know Tim Curry, you like Tim Curry. What did you think? Um, it's, as you said, like, it's such an incredible entrance, just, like, him coming down in the lift, um, kind of in the background, and, like, that cape, is like phenomenal, <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. The heel tapping, I'm always yeah, like, yeah. oh, it gets me every time. <laughs> I it's just, like Dracula, yeah. but then sexy. <laughs> um, yeah, and then like the big reveal of like the the chorus and the fishnet, and like just the command of just being able to like walk around in heels like that is like mind boggling. Yeah, and like just moving perfectly in tandem, everyone around him like a stage play because obviously it was one, but just everyone hitting their marks perfectly, and he's the star of the show. It's just jaw dropping. Uh, uh, maybe a rhetorical question, but is Tim Curry sexy? Like, is he? He sexy? is very sexy in this. Okay, because <laughs> um, like, they. I think that's partially what why people felt so. Because like one of the major things of Rocky Horror as well is that people like a lot of it is just like give way to pleasure regardless of sexuality, and people are like, yeah. Um, 
And like with Tim Curry, a part of you is like, I kind maybe would I just if he was just like go <laughs> rip off your clothes, let's go do a dance, and be like, all right, yeah. To to use like a term that's probably outdated by now, but like big dick energy is like one hundred percent happening with Tim Curry. So, Big fishnet energy. <laughs> <laughs> so the way he plays his character is obviously extremely arch. At times his accent becomes kind of Irish. Like when he says, when he says the word pound is like pound. Or, like, I don't know how, how he does the way that he elongates his voice and just kind of does it. Tremendous singing voice, uh, exceptional movement, stage presence, the works. Like why was this guy not the singer in a band? He had a couple of albums himself. Did he? Oh, yeah, okay, he recorded yeah. three solo albums. They're, I think like Michael Kamen, you know, the, the, the piano the the composer who did like yeah. S and M with Metallica actually um he produced them they're apparently not great they're like covers it's a very like I'm an actor but I also see myself as Bruce like, Willis style yeah. yeah um okay so the performance is so strong like do you find yourself rooting for a character that maybe you shouldn't be rooting for by the end certainly because he's because he is a murderer <laughs> he is a murderer um and, and like he does have a redemptive arc in it though that's the thing yeah is that by the end of it, when uh, Riff Raff and Magenta turn uh, on Frank, you're kind of like, oh, I feel for him. And then, you know, that scene where he's being carried away and like a very kind of like ecstasy of gold sound to it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you you were 100%. I am here for this debauched ride that you were going to take me on. Yeah, for sure. I... I never actually felt like I was like rooting for him or not. It was more that he was just like this sort of fantastical element to it. And like the hero heroine or like that general sort of um, idea always lay either with Janet or Brad. I always just was like, Frankenford will just do his bits. <laughs> and like, whatever happens, happens. It's a credit to the rest of the cast, though, because that, like, that they stand up, up with him because he's such a force. Yeah. Like, he's just dominating every scene that he's in. Apparently, uh, Mick Jagger petitioned to be cast. So when Fox were like, we're going to make the film, they were like, you need big um, American actors in order to like sell this because like, um, we're going to need to push it. And uh, Richard O'Brien was like, it has to be the original cast. And they were like, we could get Mick Jagger. (laughs) (laughs) And then he was like, no, we're getting the original cast. I mean, he could probably do it in terms of look. And obviously the man can sing and move, but I'm happy with what we got. It's it's an overused word, but it's a legitimately iconic performance. It genuinely is spectacular. Like... And they did this kind of cast reunion thing a while ago. Tim Curry's like not in the greatest of health these days. And he was present for it, which kind of surprised me. And he had like... He had like one line where he kind of responded to something and there was just a kind of a heartbreak to it because you're looking at this guy who was once this titanic striding force who's kind of been unfortunately reduced by health problems. But I mean, what like what an amazing epitaph one day he will have. Like with someone because like, everyone always goes to Pennywise and it's an unbelievable performance, of course, in a shit TV movie about a clown. Yeah. But this is the fucking real deal. Like this is just astonishing, skyscraping stuff. And his first movie role as well. Yeah. That's just crazy. Like, it's bonkers to come because it's, you know, it's one thing to come from and you would imagine if he is, you know, original stage play that probably not like an actor at the height of his craft or like or certainly hadn't been recognized because it started off quite small. And, you know, obviously it scaled up in terms of how successful it became. But like he scaled with it as it went along. But just to kind of come in and like be so commanding in your first role in a pretty, you know, modestly budget studio picture is remarkable. How do you feel about Meatloaf? 
Getting three minutes before being horrifically murdered. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> More movies could do with meatloaf, meatloaf. Uh, crashing through a ice block on a motorbike <laughs> after like having his brain removed. Like it's weird because you have those elements to it, right? And even the we've talked about like the kind of sexual predation of the Frank character. We haven't even gotten into the fact that like the titular Rocky Horror is a He-Man character that he makes. You know, he creates this character to essentially marry and you know have sex with all the time who is effectively a child, even though it's an adult, you know, playing the character. So that's another element of like... Because he is half of Eddie, who is Meatloaf's brain. And he's literally born, you know, so you're like, this is lots of weird politics here, I don't know. But the film never goes into them because that's not what it's about. It's a weird, fucked up sing song. I mean, like, is it like? I think ultimately, like, with the film, with with its kind of overall kind of tone, it's strange that it doesn't become a horror movie. It doesn't become anything kind of unsafe. I think... The songs obviously do a good part of this, but it moves to the clip. You know, it's like it's an interesting kind of like A to B. You're on, as Norma was saying, you're on the side of Brad and Janet. You know, can they get it together? Do we forgive this movie a lot? Like, you know, is that like a thing? Or I think it like it it is easy to forgive at certain points because it just gets so silly. Like, there's the bit where um, Doctor Scott shows up and he breaks through the wall, and you're like, ridiculous. Yeah. And one of my favorite bits of the film is when they're all standing in the circle and they're like, Janet, Brad, Doctor Scott, <laughs> Rocky. Rocky. <laughs> and they do it three times. So good. And then like Rocky not saying anything, and it's just like this is. Like that's all I ever wanted from that scene. It's yeah, so it's ridiculous. it's it's so over the top and uh, and ridiculous. But yeah, I don't know. I just have this kind of weird love for the movie. Like like I just kind of feel like it's just kind of like it's really easy to watch. It's really easy to just throw on and kind of sink into. You you mentioned does it have the horror elements? What do you like? I think the dinner scene is quite good in terms of being horror, um, particularly like Frankenfurter, just like. <laughs> intermittently like running the uh, electric blade when you like cutting stuff so people start talking and just start running it at someone that had to have been Tim Curry improv oh absolutely um, I know everything is like stage managed perfectly but like um, okay so who, okay who's good at the songs like like who 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 excels at the music um, Barry Boswick is not a natural singer I wouldn't say but he's not he doesn't have a lot he doesn't have like his own he's pretty song. Like, he, he, he kind of comes in yeah. and Sorry, I also believe that Rocky is not singing. No, he's not. For like sort of sort of Damocles, it's someone else. That's that's yeah. a that's a hard dubbing. The dubbing so, is um, hard all round. Actually, is that like uh, like at times you're just kind of obviously you know like budget time when it was made. Like it doesn't take me out of it, but there there's a lot of obvious moments where like it's totally synced after the fact. It's taken from a studio recording. Like it's not captured on the set, you know. Like it's, yeah, it's almost it's almost slightly uncanny valley sometimes. I I don't think it matters because like everything about this movie is so disconnected from reality that it it's not kind of you don't need that level of verisimilitude verisimilitude um to be there. So yeah, it's fine. Not an issue. Um. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it, it all builds to a kind of a big showdown uh, of, of a medley of a cabaret thing, uh, which like is where the film explicitly just becomes let's just have a musical for a while. Um. Yeah. It's it's hard to know in terms of like, like I really was taken by the the tracks because I was just like they're really sharp. They they're they're very up tempo, very kind of stompy. I'm not I'm not a musical guy either. Like I don't know. You're not really like a 50s rock and roll it guy was, either, no. mostly, which is like pretty much all this. It would have come yeah. out around the same time as like the musical Hair. Um, and another musical that I can't remember the name of, but it was like, it was sort of like big rock and roll 
musical type things that were coming out at the time. So it was also still filling in with that style of music, what of what people wanted to see. And like, as much as like I do enjoy the film, there are certain songs that I tune out for. That's fair, yeah. There's lots of them. There's about 12, yeah. 12, 12, 12. Oh, um, I always feel like the latter half of some of the songs, I just, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, think, I'll think about something else. I think, uh, like, before I kind of say who I think steals the movie apart from Tim Curry in terms of especially performance, uh, a shout out to Charles Gray as the criminologist slash narrator because he's great. He's fantastic. And Especially like, during Time Warp. When it's it, so it, good. It, like that, that, that wipe. Just a jump to the left. <laughs> and then, oh, just jump to the left. <laughs> He's on the fucking table. It's so good. Again, the movie is so silly and so good. I'd forgive it. Yeah. I think uh, Patricia Quinn steals the movie for me. Apart from, obviously, no, no one's getting out of Tim Curry's fucking in divine light. But uh, I think she's great. Susan Sarandon's really, really good. Um, and obviously, star-making performance for her, I presume. Because um, obviously she went on to have an exceptional career, continues to. Uh, but Patricia Quinn, I think, is, is like, as magenta, is phenomenal. I think anytime she gets to do anything, she's just brilliant. She, an incredible look, an incredible full-throated delivery, brilliant mannerisms, and, a, and an interesting character. Even by the end, you're like you're still not entirely sure as to her motivations. Yeah, which is interesting because I think she was originally she was like she was the tap dancer that was like. Her buzz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird though. And yeah. like, she was, I think, more of like a dancer and performer and is so, so good in it. She's great. Um, yeah. And obviously, like, the the, re- the relationship with Riff Raff is interesting as well because, like, again, rewatching this for the first time in a long time, I was like, oh, they're clearly lovers. And then it's like, oh, they're brother and sister, but they're Oh, probably... sorry, I'm mixing up characters. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> That's why I was like, the tap dancing? And then you looked at me like I was mental. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, no, sorry, like, I, 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 was doing, I was doing the maths. It's confusing film, Norma. It's okay. I, was, I always mix up Magenta Columbia. I don't hair. know why. <laughs> <laughs> Columbia's build is like Little Nell, by the way, which was yeah. like, I remember even... Oh, because she's Nell, Nell Campbell? Nell Campbell, but it's like Little Nell as if like we found this person on the lot one day and like gave them a role <laughs> in the film, uh, which is weird because I remember like seeing that even as a kid I was like what's that about that's weird uh, but yeah I'm sorry yeah, Magenta is Riff Raff's counterpart who aids him in eventually turning the tables on uh, Tim Curry but before that happens you get that big crazy extended medley where he's effectively hypnotised all the characters I guess to yeah he's, tr- he's basically like medusa them into uh, stone statues and then like placed them on a stage then brings them back dresses them up and there's like a big number what what do you think of like the I'm trying to think of the 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 song that they're dancing to? It's Is it Rose Tint My World when they do the sort of can can line? No way. Uh, was it Wild and Untamed Thing? That's Rose Tint My World. Yeah, I thought it was called. Wild. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Norma's it, right. It is called that. Yeah. Um, and you can tell that they're all absolutely fucking shattered trying to dance because apparently, <laughs> like when they when they were filming. Um, they filmed it in like a big manor in England so like there was the swimming pool there but like in that scene where they'd all been in the water and like they were all cold and wet and like Susan Sarandon had pneumonia but like they just look banjaxed trying <laughs> to dance it's like it, it's like you know this must be, must have been like the last take the other ones weren't that good and they're just like this is going to have to do well there's a moment where and you, you can see it where like uh, Susan Sarandon steps on Barry Bostwick's foot and it's in the take. It's him going. Oh, yeah. He has like a like like during a pivotal moment, and it's fucking hilarious. Like, and she apparently did that to get back at him because there's a scene at the dinner table where he slams his hand down and he hits her hand. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're saying is this was an out of control production yes a little bit yeah uh, I think it, it was a bit messy to make like they had like m- minimal budget yeah and you cold you were tired I think pretty much uh, transporting an entire stage crew 
to making movie is not necessarily like the easiest transition either. Let's have a blast of Tim Curry singing one of his kind of swan songs. This is Don't Dream It. Swim the warm waters of sins of the flesh. Erotic nightmares beyond any measure. And sensual daydreams to treasure. Forever Can't you just see which was later sampled by Yezu, Justin Broderick's project that I quite like. Uh, I sent you that track. Did you think it was good or did you think it was terrible? I, I loved it. It's it amazing. Great. It's like an industrial fucking remix of this track, which I don't know why it exists, but there you go, it does. Would you say um, that Yezu is king? Yeah, Sorry. why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. That's a good reference. I like the yeah, to an album that I continues to crawl around my mind. Just like on the, while we discuss the music, I find... The music at the start of the film I engage with more. Yeah, that's fair. And a lot of I find like the bit where the film falls for me is actually when they get to the floor show and after they sing the initial Roast Hit My World, I'm kinda like, oh, I'm a bit well, That's like a ten minute sequence of just indulgence. Like that it's a medley, isn't it? Like yeah, it's kinda like, like and it's like and we're all singing, we're all dancing. Yeah, no, for sure. It's front loaded. And I love a like, song and a dance. Do you? Do you, yeah. do, do you love a medley? <laughs> Um, no, the best songs are mashup. the best songs are at the front. I mean, like the opening track is amazing. Yeah, even like yes. Brad and Janice thing is cool. I think there's a lot is great. Uh, and then of course you get the you, like you get time warp, and then you get uh, sweet transvestite about ten seconds later. And then even like I can make you a man is is very good. Well. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> touch it, touch it, touch me is the last of the like the, when you're getting your bangers out. And yeah, then it's like much, now yeah. for the slow songs. It do, yeah, it does. It gets very downbeat. Yeah, it gets very kind of contemplative and melancholic. Um, so then like, because you get like at the end of that kind of crazy medley and we heard a bit of it there, like you've already had, you know, Don't Dream It, which is very, you know, that's probably like your exit song. But then it goes into fucking Rose Tint My World. And you're like, Jesus Christ, like, like where are we going next? So towards the end of Rose Tint My World, um, you get a moment where the tables are turned, as we've referenced, Riff Raff and Magenta have had enough. They burst in. And I've all, this to me was like, I, I remember this like fucking vividly from when I was young, just thinking this was the coolest thing I'd ever seen because like the way it's put together is like the camera like zooms in, Richard O'Brien kicks the fucking door open, him and Magenta are now dressed up as like kind of like royal guard or something yeah. like from some like, like, like Flash Gordon or something. It's crazy like because like they've been so disheveled the whole movie and now they're fucking like like slick and he's and got cool. a, like, like that ponytail incredible top knot for someone who's <laughs> yeah. not got a lot of hair his yeah. ponytail that's like wrapped around like an antenna it's like. crazy yeah it's like it's like Chris Jericho-esque you know some 30 years before that or whatever so so yeah so he bursts in at the end to spoil the party and let's have a listen to that but high notes like how does he do it it must have been like a tough he looks insane it's pretty good uh, after that you get Tim Curry singing another downbeat number I'm Going Home which is beautiful 
But again, I I think he. Could, I find that's the bit with the film is just like. It's a yeah. Come on now. It, <laughs> well, to be fair, if if that's how get you, him. well, if that's how you feel, you get it because the film kind of then goes, all right, folks, time to go home, and really ends abruptly, where uh, Tim Curry is killed very quickly uh, by uh, Riff Raff, and then they're like, right, cool, we're gonna fly this house back to space now. You better get out, and then it cuts to them getting out, and that's the end of the movie. And then you have like a very very bleak dark, as fuck, yeah. Like, hokey um, house moving off into space uh, <laughs> graphic. Yeah, very kind of like Poltergeist Simpsons kind of Treehouse of Horror thing. I uh, thought you were going to mention the last the last lines where it's like... The criminologist. Yeah, it's like, we're all just ants. <laughs> it's weird, yeah. He basically is like, around. that. yeah, he's like, that was that's what happened. And he goes like, because like, he's like profiling the whole thing with like kind of a, you know, fucking whatever, big book of the Denton Affair, I think it's called. And then he's like, but aren't we all just crawling on the surface of the earth anyway, doomed to not be anything? And then it's like, good night. <laughs> Gary Lineker, Max <laughs> today. Science Fiction Double Future comes back on, you're like, all right, cool. And I guess like it's it's neither a bleak nor a hopeful ending. It's just an ending that kind of just comes in as if they were like, we ran out of money. I do, I do feel like it's one of those things which is a lot of the time apparent with stage adaptations where on stage this might actually come across different or there'd be a different energy or a different vibe or it feels a bit more theatrical whereas sometimes on film it's a bit like what it's like yeah like on stage i know they have like a brief reprise of the time warp but it's like on stage would you just come back out and do the time warp again and then like then you do your bow and then your curtain goes up and then you maybe do another bit of time warp and then you bow again and then you're out well, this is and just they have like, like each cast member runs out and does like the splits. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Norma Howard as Columbia. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But and this is just kind of like you're like you're like putting your coat on, being like, well, uh, see, you we see, see you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I said before, I said on the last episode that like this to me is like god tier level musical. It still is. I'm I'm a little bit disappointed that you both don't have the pure love that I have for it. But I feel like he's like it enough. So I feel fine. like I do. I do quite like it. Um, I just kind of I want to see it. In the live version of it now, I feel like it's like it's taken on another life of itself, and that I haven't seen that. So I when want I, to experience that. When I was like sixteen, it was actually also weird. I used to go to this club night in Cork City when I was in college, and it was called Freak Scene, and it was on every Wednesday. Um, and they'd have the Freak Scene, Freak Scene Halloween Ball, and they always played the Time Warp. But when I was like sixteen, this was huge. I think it was just because it was like nothing I'd ever seen, and like. I'm pretty sure even at discos, at the end of the disco, they would play the time warp. Fucking hell! It was, do you know what? It was like it's like doing the macarena for like emo kids. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like let's crack into the time warp. Jesus. Okay. Well, it, the the dance moves are the lyrics. It's just instructional. Can you do the time warp? Yeah, it's instructional, I mean, David. It's just a jump to the left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Put your hands on your hips. <laughs> Put your hands on your hips. Uh, um. Yeah, like go crack all round. Go crack all round. Fair enough. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, there was like a little bit, and I think we vaguely touched on this about like there are some moments now that you're like, oh, 
the big one that got me in that regard the seduction well there's that but you know that's let's get to that in a second but uh, the the use of Dr. Scott and his legs suddenly like flying around the place he's in a wheelchair during the final performance and I'm like it's slapstick I don't think it's meant to be in any way offensive to anyone who is in a wheelchair but I was like I could see why it could be I don't know it's not the it's not the most sensitive portrayal I've ever seen in my life but again the film is meant to be such high crazy farce that I don't think it's meant to really you know exist on a fucking on a, on a level plane, of, yeah. yeah any reality uh, yeah the seduction sequences are weird basically yeah Frank and Furter effectively uh, seduces both Brad and Janet in uh, quick succession quick succession <laughs> uh, dressed like, as the opposite yeah, person and presumably sleeps with both of them and they're like don't yeah. tell Brad don't tell Janet and it's like again I know it's meant to be like well you know it's young and experimentation and everything but it doesn't because he's trying to do this like uh, oh like don't you love it Brad <laughs> but it's that thing where he's he's doing the like oh you should just be able to like feel and enjoy pleasure which is like a lot of it is the whole idea of it but just in that scene it does come across as weird because it's almost like a then they are converted into being like oh well we could just have sex with everyone I don't and there's a big though. orgy at the end in the pool yeah well, I mean, like, just kind, kind of, of kissing and stuff. But I, I mean, know. Well, it's like <laughs> musical well, well, theatre orgy. <laughs> Janet goes from her having sex with Frank to pretty much, in quick succession, having sex with Rocky. I mean, have you seen that guy? I know. <laughs> he's, he's the fella's ripped. ripped. <laughs> yeah, again, I don't know. I'm not in any way shooting these down. I'm just saying that, like, I don't think it's meant to be in any way taken too seriously. No. No, and, not and at in, all. In fact, they are quite funny scenes. Yeah, yeah, it's a comedy. I feel, I just, it was only when I, I haven't watched it in a really, really long time. So when I watched it again, I was like, is that a little bit weird? He yeah. just crawled in someone else's bed pretending to be the opposite sex. And oh yeah, just, like, it's like it's extremely bad and not good and should be an arrestable offence. But he's dead. He was killed. He was murdered. So that's fine. It's I'm fine. Like, yeah. He died. Riff Raff saw that on the monitor. In the bottom went, of a pool. I have to murder him now. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, thanks guys. I enjoyed that. Thanks for coming back, Norma. Welcome back again anytime. Ooh. All love in the world. Uh, is this another week where you don't have a quiz? No quiz. For fuck's sake, we had a good thing going with the quiz. It's tough to make a quiz. It is tough to make a quiz. I know you, that. You make a quiz once a year. Sometimes ending more note. Months. Did you, just because you mentioned this earlier, the, like one of the longest running films. Still, it, in, in still terms of running. it's still yeah. showing. It's like, still so showing. It never yeah. stopped. It never kind of stopped showing. Like it never kind of limited release. I suppose is how you would describe that. Yeah. Like. So like okay. it's on. I think it, it used to be in in its like. At its height, was like 200, 300 screens a week in America, but it's probably oh, still has like 50, like across the country, like smaller theaters. So what's actually interesting is that um, since Disney bought Fox, Disney have basically put everything in the Fox back catalog under lock and key, as they kind of do with a lot of their older movies. Um, so, you know, if you want to go and get Alien and show it in your cinema now, Disney are going to be like, nope, you can't have it. Um, it's going to be interesting when Christmas comes because Die Hard and Home Alone oh, are God, yeah. two staples of Fox. But they said that they they can't do it with the Rocky Horror Picture Show because they just don't want the backlash. So <laughs> there would be a public well, like war. So unless <laughs> unless there's a Bob, Bob Iger decides, it'll probably continue to run. Um, it would still be running in Ireland probably every week if like the classic was still going. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm sure there's one cinema in like Leitrim or something that is just. I mean, the, the Sugar Club have it. <laughs> the Sugar Club had it like last. Yeah, week. they they showed intermittently, and um, then there was the stage show here. I think during the summer. Yeah, the Olympia was the Olympia one. The stage show, or was that? It's kind of hard to know. It's like there's so many show. of them now. There's so many stage shows, and like sometimes all you need is like 
you know, cinema, and then like you get, as you said, like you get the, the shadow cast Ar- to go Ar- in. Ireland loves a fucking musical. I mean, like sure, like back in I think uh, this coming January, uh, some cinema chain is like bringing back A Star Is Born, Bohemian Rhapsody, and The Greatest Showman, and I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> like, I think did, I thought, why though? Did we did <laughs> we talk about massive. this before? That yeah, our, we love those kind of movies here. Like Ireland is like Jude, oh, the, yeah. Judy is still going strong my in Ireland. My parents were just like delighted with Judy really yeah and then my dad was just like and Jessie Buckley she's from Kerry she's in it <laughs> I was like I'm glad like we're like Irish people love musicals they just yeah. love them I don't like know what it's, it too. is that like escapism the most successful theme, film in Palos in Galway I think like up and uh, as of like last time I checked was Mamma Mia to sing along oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like people just want to go to the cinema switch off imagine Joker was a musical there you go yeah I was I was just about to say if like you could what somehow... it's just going to be Gary Glitter James <laughs> <laughs> alright by, by the way just on that I'm sorry Craig for my drive by on you in the last episode I call you out I was in fact wrong because my own sports team <laughs> when I was they my ter- terrible Phoenix Suns basketball team I support they won their first game of the season they don't win a lot of games so I don't know if they've just started bringing this back because of the movie or they just hadn't won that many games last year so I was not cognizant of it but the minute they won the final buzzer went and on comes Big Gary rock and roll part two Big Gary. <laughs> Rock and Roll Part 2 will never die. So there you go. It could die in a hole. <laughs> what, uh, what film are we doing next? Will we play a clip? Yeah, let's play a clip. Bring your dick along too. I should have had you wear double condoms. Well, we shouldn't have done it in the first place. But if you ever do it again, which is a favor to women everywhere, you should not. But if you do, you should be wearing condom on condom and then wrap it in electrical tape. Oh, the weather is against me the wind blows hard The rain, she's a-turning in I'm interested in, in gigging here. Okay, let's hear something. You don't want to hear the record? That's right, kids. Grab your uh, winter coat that you can't afford. It's Inside Lou and Davis. <laughs> I fucking love this film. Again, I'm spoiling how I feel about it. But I don't care. I, I worship this movie. I've seen it a whole bunch. I wish I saw it in the cinema. Like, it's not the most cinematic thing you're ever going to see, but I really wish I had a caught it. You did it not in. see this in the no, cinema? No, I missed it, yeah, for whatever reason. I didn't reason. either, and it's outstanding. I it's, gave it a yeah. rare five stars back in the day. You did. I remember your review, and I was like, I'm not going to go see it. He gave it five stars. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> no, not really. I don't know why I didn't go see it. I think... I, I think Just I, he's got a little notebook of <laughs> films you gave five uh, stars. He liked it, did he? Like, well, mm. that's another Mustn't one be up to much. <laughs> I trust his opinion. Uh, if, yeah, I, I've seen it like four or five times, I think. It's the kind of film that every time I watch it, I want to write like a 5,000 word thesis on it, but then I don't even know how to write the first line. So a podcast yeah, about so, it should be pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> just you not finding the right words to say. Yeah, it's devastating. We're, we've lined up a special guest for that episode, but they have touring commitments, so we'll see if we can get them. So yeah, we won't reveal to so see. We won't say who that is. But it's coming soon. Uh, as for now, that was Rocky Horror. This was no popcorn. I am Dave Hanratty. That's Dave Higgins. That's Norma Howard. And let's have a bit of time warp to close us out, shall we? Thank you. Goodbye. It's just a jump to the left.
fantasy free me So you can't see me No, not at all In another dimension With voyeuristic intention Well secluded I see all With a bit of a mind flip You're into the time slip And nothing can ever be the same You're spaced out on sensation Like you're under sedation This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Experience contemporary Japanese artist Yayoi Kusama's latest monumental sculptures and spectacular installations in Kusama Cosmic Nature exclusively at the New York Botanical Garden through October 31st. Get tickets at nybg.org. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.